0: Good morning, Cyrus Bible Church. It's been a privilege this week. Uh, Every year we have a a Go Conference, and so this has been kind of our Go Week. Um, We call it Go because it represents all of what we believe God has called us to do, uh, to go in life-changing mission. And, And where do we go? We go local, we go short, and we go long. So we go to our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so it's been such an encouragement this week uh, we, for the missionaries who have come in this week. Uh, we've got to hear their stories. For those who couldn't come, uh, we had an opportunity to pray with them. And, and the stories are, are just amazing. They're just, they're just incredible. God is at work in the world. Uh, and it's just, I'm always amazed that, that we get to be a part of it. And so this week is, is always a challenge for us as a church to, just to be reminded Uh, that that God is a God of mission, and that he invites us into this mission. And his work isn't done. He's doing amazing things around the globe right now. We look at all the the, the craziness of the world, and and, and Satan draws our attention to the evil and to the wickedness and the brokenness. Um, But God's glory declares that the victory has been won. The enemy has already been defeated. And he says... Will you come and join me in this mission, in this kingdom initiative of of establishing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? And so this week has just been a a reflection on all that God has done, and it points us to what we pray that God will do through us, that he, through us, would bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, in Cyprus, Texas, in in Houston, Texas, in Texas, and, and to the ends of the earth. And God is doing it. God is faithful. He is, he is so, so good. And so the, the, the theme, the title of the conference this year was Made to Multiply. And what we hope that you walk away with is, is this is our identity in Christ. A lot of times when we think of the word mission, we think of those few people that are called maybe to go overseas and and give their lives to the work of missions. And that is true, right? But God has called us all into his mission, and you have a mission field. So we are called, we are made to multiply. We are the people of God called together to fulfill this mission. And so I don't want us to to neglect that. I want us to realize that. uh, We can't do this individually. We can't come to the church this morning with our own agendas and our own ideas of of what God wants us to do. We need to be unified for the purpose of his kingdom. Jesus says he will establish his church. Will the gates of Hades prevail against it? The scripture says no. The scripture says no. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. And so we have to reflect and say, are we giving authority Are we surrendering ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ that He has all of? He's declared clearly all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And therefore, the therefore is therefore a reason. He has all authority, and therefore we go. Who goes? Who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples. And what does he tell his disciples to do? He tells his disciples to go and make disciples of the nations. We are privileged here in Houston, Texas. We don't have to go overseas to find the nations. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in our communities. They're in our workplaces. The nations are here. And so what do we do? We go and we proclaim the good news of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. To Jew and Gentile. And as we proclaim the gospel, those who respond to it, what do we do? We make disciples. We teach them what it is to walk and abide in Jesus Christ. Discipleship really is is as simple as that. You have a curriculum. It's 66 books. And we as a church want to equip you to fulfill this great commission. A lot of times when we think of the the work that we've been called to, we go out and we tell people that God loves them. Do you want to come to my church? And we're hoping that when they come here, maybe they'll hear the gospel. And, And I'm telling you, you're missing out on experiencing the life-changing mission that God has called us to. Because when you enter into that mission, God changes you. When you get to be a part of God's redemptive plan, it's it's powerful and overwhelming. And you just have to say, God, who am I that you would use me to bring salvation to the lost, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the sick, to to see your kingdom come Who am I that you would use me? And when you experience it, it's powerful. And so we make disciples of the nations and we baptize them, right? So all of us have been called to go. All of us have been called to make disciples. All of us have been called to be baptizers. The commission isn't to be baptized. The commission is to be a baptizer. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey. We do all of this in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, and as we go, he is with us always, even to the end of the age. At the end of all time, he will receive all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, because he did it. And who did he do it through? He did it through us. He did it through the people of God. He did it through his church. And so as we reflect on this identity that God has As we together, the community of God, are made to multiply. This isn't an individual task, this is a corporate task. We are the people of God. We are a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And God is doing it through us. And so the call for us is to come together and recognize this identity that God has given his church, that we may fulfill his mission to his praise, honor, and glory. And so this morning we're going to look sure. Uh, that I think kind of tells this story very well. Uh, Acts thirteen one through 3. A lot of times when you read uh, Scripture, I can remember when I was younger in my faith, and I was pretty excited about missions. And uh, when you're excited about missions, you have to really read and study the book of Acts. And, and I really wanted to be excited about the book of Acts. And I'd get in there, and I'd read it, and I'd be like, oh, this is just, this is just boring. Right? Can I be honest? It was just, i was dry toast for me. It was just, there was just nothing there. It was like reading a history book. But then as I begin to kind of connect the, the dots of all that God was doing in Acts, and I begin to understand the larger narrative and, and how the Spirit was mer- working and how he's calling all these people and connecting them together. It, the book of Acts now is just amazing to me. And it is so full of life and just I get energized every time I, every time I study Acts, and I'm just, my mind is blown. Um, so I, I hope that, that you become, uh, have that same passion. When you get in the books of Acts, and you're just like, wow, look what God is doing. Look what God has done, and look what he still continues to do. Um, the book of Acts doesn't end at chapter 29. It continues on today. The story is not finished. And so we're going to take a look at Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed and laid hands on them they sent them off let's pray father god we come into your presence this morning and we pray that your spirit would speak and that we would have ears to hear and that you would soften our hearts and transform our minds that we may be on mission with you that we may surrender our lives to your perfect will and that through us, your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Speak now, we pray, and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing we see in, in, when we read this passage, it says, Now in the church. Um, and if you just, again, you just read past this, you, you miss something pretty significant. Now in the church. Uh, again, this is what Jesus said he would do. He said he would establish his church. He commissioned the apostles to go and be a part of this work, but but he says that that they're not to do this right until the the Holy Spirit comes upon them. But in, in the very first passage here, we see the church is no longer just in Jerusalem; it's in it's in Antioch. And so, the word church is ecclesia. Uh, and the church is the, it's the gathering of God's people together. But it's, it's already been established here in, in this passage. And so we, you miss it if you just say, in the church of Antioch, the church is God's mission. Right? It's what it's what he does. There, there's an argument within the, the missions world as to whether we should make disciples or whether we should plant churches. Right? Well, we make disciples so that we can plant churches. The work is infused. You can't separate them. And when we recognize what the church is, then it begins to make sense to us. But we have to, we have to recognize that. And so when we train missionaries, uh, we begin to, to work on their ecclesiology. We want them to understand what is the church uh, because for us, it could be a loaded word, because we've got a lot of traditional baggage that we add to the church. And Is is it a building? Is it a location? Do we go to church? right? Is it a, is it a destination? Uh, we, we all know that that's not the case. We, the people of God, are the church. But it doesn't mean just by our gathering together that we become the church. What we do when we gather together becomes very important. And so we just follow the patterns that we see in the book of Acts, uh, acts two thirty six through forty seven and we recognize what God has called the church to be. This is what his apostles demonstrate, and so we use this circle image. this is a simple diagram uh, to train church planners and we, and we begin to say when 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 you come into the church peter when they ask Peter, What must we do? he says, Repent and believe and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. So upon repentance. In baptism, they enter into the context of a, of a local church. The little wave there represents baptism. And the next symbol is we're, we're gathering together and we're praying. And we are, we are loving one another and we are worshiping. And we're having the, the Lord's Supper. We're, we're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His body broken and his blood shed for our sins. We're taking the Lord's Supper, the communion. Uh, We're giving of our time and our resources, and we have all things in common. And we're studying the apostles' word, their their teaching. We're we're getting into the word, and we're beginning to understand what has God said. And they're being shepherded. And through that, the end of this passage, it says daily they were seeing people come to the Lord. Daily. This is the very first church movement as it began to start on the foundation that jesus had established and their expectation was that daily they would see people come to faith is that our expectation as a church is it our expectation that every day we would hear testimonies of people that were in lostness that have come into the light and they have received salvation by faith in jesus christ is that our expectation as a church it should be our expectation and far more. But you can't just say, well, Tony, you need to get to work, right? You're the, you're the go guy. Go get them. Get you some people and, and, and go do it. I, I can't do it. it. It would be impossible. Now, I'm a, I'm a pretty, I think God has gifted me as an evangelist. And I could go out and I could share the gospel and I could bring people to faith. But my my primary calling as an evangelist, right, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so if you're not gifted in evangelism, you need to find an evangelist and get equipped so that you can do it. Because if every person in this room right here today and every person in the first service and every person watching online were to say, I'm going to take ownership of this Great Commission task and I'm going to share the gospel. Together we could do amazing things. Together, the darkness could be penetrated by light. It's a miracle. <laughs> Together, we could, we could, and God believes this. He believes his church will fulfill his mission. We read in the book of Revelation, every tribe, every tongue, every people will stand before the Lamb and worship. It's going to happen. But do we believe it? Do we want to be a part of it? He's inviting you in. And we as a church want to make sure that that as a body, we are are joining God in life-changing mission because it'll transform your life. It'll change the way you see everything. So how we see the church becomes very important. But specifically in this passage, it says the church at Antioch. In this passage, you see that Saul is there. Saul, has he not become the apostle Paul yet? Um, I learned this actually pretty recently. I thought it was like Paul was his new name. Uh, It's just the Greek word for Saul. So you kind of see him interchanged back and forth. I know that's not quite as exciting, but but he was there. So so did he plant the church of Antioch? Sort of. Uh, He was certainly involved. Um, but not maybe in the way you would think. So when we think of the, the greatest church planner in the, in, the, in the New Testament, apart from Jesus Christ himself, a lot of times we think of the, the Apostle Paul. Uh, I'll argue that, uh, that maybe there's somebody else that was greater, that, that was a catalytic person in starting a church planning movement. When we When we read the Great Commission, in acts 1 through 8 we see very clearly again the apostles were to stay in Jerusalem until the power of the holy spirit comes upon them but when you receive the holy spirit when he when the holy spirit comes upon you it says you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth all right uh, is there any option in here as to what they're going to do it says they will be you will be my witnesses and so as we as we pray that that we put our faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes upon us what is God's expectation of us It's the it's the same you will be my witnesses this is God's desire this is this is our identity you were made to multiply But in in the in the history of Acts this commission was was largely being ignored the the church doesn't Advance beyond Jerusalem for some time. In fact, it isn't until we get to Acts 8 that we, we we begin to see expansion and growth. But it's not because they volunteered to do it. It's because uh, God, uses, God uses Saul. It says, Saul agreed to put him to death. This is talking about Stephen, right? So this is my argument that Stephen is one of the greatest church planners because his martyrdom, his death, is a catalytic tool that God uses to begin to advance his church. And Paul's also an instrument of that because he's the one bringing the persecution. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but everybody else was scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. They went on preaching the word. Again, the apostles stay in Jerusalem, but the church is scattered. So we come to Acts 11 and we we get a fuller picture of the, the larger narrative. It says, now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ, The Lord's hand was on them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church of Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devout hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a large number of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so what God does through Antioch is, is really just amazing. And so when you read Acts 13 and you just say the church in Antioch, you go back and you say, what does he mean by Antioch? And you, you see this story unfold. Paul persecutes the church because of the death of Stephen and the church is scattered because of this persecution. And because of this persecution, it reaches as far as Antioch. And those who were scattered began preaching the gospel to the Jews, and then also the Greeks, and they're gathering together. And news of this gets back to Jerusalem. They send Barnabas. Barnabas begins to train and equip the church, and he's so amazed that, hey, i got to go get my brother Paul. He brings Paul to the church. That that had been pretty profound for the believers there. Like, this guy who persecuted us and scattered us is now coming to be a part of us. when you read Acts 13.1, you're like, (laughs) in the church of Antioch, it's pretty amazing. Only God could do something like that. It's miraculous. And so in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And so... Again, the the commission is to go and make disciples, and so Paul and Barnabas are modeling this. They're they're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. They're raising up. They they're not here saying we have arrived. We are Paul and we are Barnabas. You need to listen and obey us. No, they're they're passing off authority and they're raising up local leadership. And so when we read the word prophet and teacher, sometimes we get a little scary because are they prophets? Are they prophesying? Are they foretelling the future? Uh, the word prophet really is just somebody who says, thus saith the Lord. And so teachers are teaching, and the prophet's saying, no, 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 the scriptures say this, God has spoken. And so they're verifying. So often prophets in the Old Testament, they they weren't really popular guys, and a lot of times they were killed. Uh, Prophets nowadays are often the same, because we see people doing things, and the prophet's always the one saying, nope, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. And, and largely they're 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 unpopular because sometimes we don't want to hear it. Sometimes the church just wants to go about our thing and do our own thing. And now the prophet says, No, thus saith the Lord. We have to respect and obey that which God has given us. He has spoken and we need nothing else. His word is sufficient. And anytime we go outside of it, the prophet always says, No, 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 get back here. <laughs> so the the role of a prophet is extremely important in the in the local church today. But then they're making sure that the the teaching continues, that that the teaching that we teach is sound and biblical, that we're building on a solid solid foundation and not on the sand. We know what happens when you build on the sand. There are many churches that do it. They gather large gatherings, and it sounds and looks wonderful and great, and you're like, we want to be a part of that. And then the storm comes, and the devastation is great. But the church that is founded upon the rock, it will stand when the troubles come. Because they will come. The storms will come. The changes will come. And so we need these prophets and teachers. And Paul and Barnabas make sure that the church have these resources. And as the church was gathering together, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And this is this idea of, again, togetherness. We've been going through these together series for a reason, because we need to recognize our togetherness. Spirituality is not an individual thing. That's what the, that's what the world's telling us, right? It's a personal thing. It's not. It's a corporate thing. We've been called together as the people of God. And, and can you worship God in your home? Yes. But you can't forsake the, ourselves from coming together. That's, this is what God has called us to. He's preparing us for an eternity together. And so we get to experience that togetherness together here now. Now, is it perfect? No, because you get a bunch of people together and it's messy. And we've got to work through that. And we've got we to have forgiveness and we've got to have healing and reconciliation and, and encouraging and lifting up. And this is just a training ground for eternity. So let's, let's start now. Let's not wait for then. Let's, let's, let's do it now together. And as we worship and as we fast, now a lot of times when we read this, we think maybe this was just like some day and they, they woke up and they said, hey, let's fast, let's get together and have a little worship service, right? I, I tend to read this as maybe a season in the life of this church. Paul had raised up labors and they're, they're, they're praying out to God, What God, what is next for us as a church? And I think we're, we're going through this season right now. We're asking God, what is next for Cypress Bible Church? So, so my question is: Is are we worshiping? Are we fasting? I was talking with somebody about fasting not too long ago, and they said, You know, I really don't like to give up food. I'm like, Well, that's kind of the point. You're not supposed to like it. I don't like to give up food. None of us do, but it's a it's a discipline, and, and it's a it's a surrender to saying, God, I, there's more than just putting food in my mouth and, and filling my stomach. It's not easy. It's hard. Um, and when you do it in community, it's, it's much easier because there's a, there's a larger purpose than just my own initiative. And so as they're praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, wouldn't it be great if you, could just, if you could just call up and say, Hey, God what do you think we should do next? And the Holy Spirit just said, do this, right? And so what I believe this means is, is the same way the Spirit works today. Is as we gather together as God's people and we're praying and we're worshiping and we're fasting, all of a sudden God begins to tell his people, here's what I think we should do. And somebody says, I think we should, we should set apart Paul and Barnabas. And somebody says, I heard the same thing. And somebody else verifies, yes, that's, that's what I'm hearing too. Uh, so it doesn't have to be this audible voice. It has to be this, this indwelt calling that we recognize this is what the Holy Spirit desires. And he confirms it as others agree and say, yes, that's what I'm hearing too. And so when it says the Holy Spirit said, he's confirming that through his people. And they're all agreeing, yes, this is what we're hearing too. And this is why our gathering together and our unity is so important, because we don't want to miss what the Spirit has to say to us. And I think many times we miss, we miss that, that voice of the Holy Spirit, is because we're not unified in purpose, we're not together. But when we are together, when we are unified, the Spirit speaks and we hear and we say, yes, this is what God wants, this is what he desires of us, and we can act upon that. And the Holy Spirit does say, he says, set apart, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And so the church of Antioch, these, these leaders are, are hearing the Holy Spirit say, send out send out your best, <laughs> send out your best. And this is hard for the local church. There, there are many missionaries that we send out that it would be very easy for me to say, ah, I could kind of use them in in my ministry here. Uh, I'd rather not send them. But that's not what we do. We send out our people because the the world needs to hear. The world needs to know. And so we do. We send out our best. That's a part of the calling of the local church. Because we are made to, to multiply. The church is made to multiply. And he says, set apart for them the work to which he has called them. Now, again, when we read this, we, we, tend, we kind of read Acts almost like their journal entries. Day one, day two, day three. Um, but they would have already, they're, they're, they're writing this, right? They're, they're looking back and saying, here's what God did through Acts. And so they already knew what the work was. <laughs> so the work of the Holy Spirit, what, is, what work has he called them to? Well, they send out Paul and Barnabas, and they end up in Antioch, Pisidia, Uh, Different Antioch, not the Antioch sending, but a different Antioch, Pisidia. Uh, And they proclaim the gospel. And those who believe, they gather together and they begin to disciple them. Uh, Persecution comes. They go to the next city. They go to Iconum and they, they preach the gospel. And those who believe, they gather together and they begin to make disciples. Persecution comes. They stone Paul until they think he's dead, but he's not dead. He gets up and he walks off. He goes to Lystra proclaims the gospel, gathers people together, disciples them. He goes to Derby. After he's done in Derby proclaiming the gospel, he turns around and says he appoints elders in the church. So what has the Holy Spirit called us to? He's called us to go, preach the gospel, make disciples, gather them together. And Jesus will establish his church and we, we appoint elders, we raise up leaders, we make disciples and we continue that on. We, we are made to multiply as a church. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul affirms that at the end of Acts 14 when he returns to Antioch. He says, I have fulfilled all that the Spirit has called us to do. And so when we ask the question, well, what has the Spirit called us to do? Well, it's the same thing that he called them to do. Preach the gospel, make disciples, gather people together, and establish the church. Follow that Acts 2, 36-47 pattern. It's a powerful, powerful thing, Um, but the church continues to pray and they continue to fast. They lay hands on them, they commission them, they let them know that that you're a part of us, but we're sending you out, and they sent them off. Now, this is this is important for us because the sending off is is part of our calling as a church. We want to send our missionaries well. And so we want, to, we want to pray for them. We want to be fasting for our missionaries. The work that they've been called to is often very difficult and challenging, and the obstacles are immense, and they need us to continue to pray and fast for them. They need us to support them financially. The Church of Antioch sends Paul and Barnabas off. I don't think they just said, good luck. Hopefully you find some bread along the way. Now, I think they gave them the resources to, to sustain them through this mission that they, that they were called to. So there's, there's praying, there's fasting, there's giving, the support of the work financially. And we want to do that as a church. Our, our, our go-long ministry is dedicated. We have a care team uh, that is continually looking at the needs of our missionaries. What, what do our missionaries need to be healthy? Um, we've got a development team that really looks at strategies and how we pour into our missionaries and train and equip and give them resources and and how do we raise up future missionaries, right? We've got a prayer team that is dedicated. Every Tuesday night they have a Zoom call that they pray for our missionaries. And there's so much work to be done, but there's so few involved. And so we as a church want to invite you into this process, be a part of what God's doing. Whether it be go local, right? We've got short-term missions that allows you to go experience what it is to to be on mission with God. It's a it's a great opportunity. I've, I've never met somebody that goes on a short-term trip that doesn't come back and say, wow, God used me and God did amazing things and I want to be a part of that here now. Uh, I want to join God on mission over there. I want to... Uh, but to hear God's calling, you've got to come to God and allow him to work in and through you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste and you, and you want more, you, you begin to develop a hunger. I've got to have more, God. I want to do more because I believe you are all in all. And through me, you can do greater things. And when you taste that, you you, you want it. And so as a church, um, in your bulletin you should have received a response card and and basically every year we ask you it's just a challenge for our church to to make a commitment to give financially uh, all of our giving to go the go ministry is separate from our general giving and so we we want to make a commitment that all of that money is being invested in God's kingdom to go in life-changing mission it's a It's a dedication to the advancement of the gospel and disciples and churches here in Houston and into the ends of the earth. So all of our go local initiatives, all of our short-term initiatives, all of our long-term initiatives are all supported by our cooperative giving to this. And so there's a, there's a spot on there. you can rip off the bottom and and make your commitment or if you need some time to pray and fast uh, about what God would have you contribute to that, uh, we would ask you over the next week or so, Uh, to drop those into the offering plates and we'll begin to calculate and we begin to build out our budgets. and uh, It's all a journey of faith. Uh, We trust that God will provide and he always has and he always will. Um, But we're seeing God do more and more and we, we expect even greater things. God has not stopped fulfilling what he said he would do. His kingdom is growing and expanding, and the opportunities are great. We're, we're, seeing, we're seeing a revived energy of, of, of wanting to be used of God, and we want to we we continue to see that grow and expand here. Our commitment to God's mission is very important. And so we invite you into this process to recognize that God has called us together as a church, and that as we, we pray, as we fast, the Holy Spirit will speak. And as we hear, we can fulfill that which God has called us to. And so we invite you to recognize your identity, that you were made to multiply, that we together were made to multiply, and we can go in life-changing mission. Let us pray. Father God, we, we come into your presence this morning, and, and we're in awe and wonder of you that, that you saved us that you sent your son while we were yet sinners and by the power of the resurrection that raised him to the dead. we, We have put our faith and we've received a new life, but your desire isn't for us alone. It's for the nations. It's for every tribe, tongue and people. And so God, would you use us for your glory? Would you use us for the purposes of advancing your kingdom? Would you help us to be your church that we might come together and have unity, that we may hear the calling of your spirit, that we may fulfill your good and your perfect will, that your kingdom would come. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As, uh, as always, at the end of the service, uh, if you'd like to pray with someone, uh, some of the staff and the pastors will be Down front, some of the elders will be down front here. You can come down and just feel free to come anytime, pray with them. Um, This is our opportunity now to respond to what we just heard. So let's stand together and sing. Bonnie's going to lead us in this song Build My Life.
1: Jesus, lead me
0: benediction Uh, father as we go i pray that we would be bold proclaimers of your gospel for it is your power to salvation to all who will believe i pray that we would make disciples I pray that we would baptize i pray that we would teach to obey and we thank you that you are with us as we go in life-changing mission in the name of jesus